You're listening to Let's Talk AI. Welcome to Let's Talk AI. Today's guest is Zhao Pan. Zhao Pan is an assistant professor in the Department of Mechanical and Mechatronics Engineering here at the University of Waterloo. Zhao, thanks for joining us today. Uh, thanks for the invitation, and it's my pleasure. Awesome, awesome. So, Zhao, typically we start off with, tell us a bit more about Zhao. How did this all start for you on the AI space? More importantly, where did you start your studies, and how did you end up at University of Waterloo? Uh, it will be a long story, but I will try to make it short. So, I did my undergrad all in China but my major was automotive engineering. It's very specific. Essentially, it's like uh, uh, mechatronics engineering, but we focus on cars a lot. So, um, but after that, I find uh, cars is not that interesting. Although back, that, uh, back then at that time, uh, my research uh, was about autonomous driving. Um, and uh, back then it was not, um, that hot research uh, topic and uh, not that hot in the uh, industry. Um, I have a mixed feeling about it, but uh, then oh, anyway, I move on. And uh, then I did my master's uh, in Louisiana, United States. So there I tried the material research and absolutely hated. Uh, sorry if anybody in, uh, in the audience is uh, materials lovers, but it's uh, very, very uh, personal preference. And then I tried the uh, solar energy. Uh, didn't like it either. But uh, the good thing is that I find I like uh, physics and uh, fluid mechanics a lot more. Then I did my uh, PhD in uh, Utah uh, on, the, in, on the general topic of uh, fundamental physics of uh, fluid mechanics. Uh, I worked in an experimental lab, but I... Uh, uh, my work is mainly uh, on the data and the theory side. And this is how I started uh, following the progress uh, in uh, AI machine learning. Give you one example. So I have to process a lot of images uh, when I uh, process the experimental data. And the one task is classic in machine learning, which is segmentation. Uh, I still remember it was like 2012. I took classes and uh, it's about uh, computer vision. Uh, the textbook was like really sick classic one by <coughs> Gonzalez. And in that book, there's no section about uh, AI or machine learning. And at that year, uh, there's a thing called AlexNet coming out. And that performance is just amazing. And you don't have to know a lot to use that. So that's the amazing part of AI. And at that time, yeah, people see that this thing will take off. Um, so by the way, AlexNet is a deep convolution neutral network. So starting from there, I uh, keep uh, watching how it perform and uh, see the achievements in general AI and machine learning can do. And then I start uh, doing it by myself. So this is how I gradually, it's a long trip, but gradually end up doing
Estonia. Okay, so your research now is more here at University of Waterloo focused on uh, fluids and fluids engineering and the use of AI in that space. Can you give us a bit of a deep dive of what's the why? Like, what do you hope to achieve by this research? Um, it's a bit weird to say so that I have a focus. So my lab is called Pan Lab. Pan is my last name. It's on my passport. It's it's real, okay. <laughs> but on the other hand, Pan is also a, a root word. It means everything. So if you remember, uh, there's a company it's called Pan America. You know, so it's it meaning everything, uh, everybody. So this is uh, partially my uh, personal uh, uh, interest. So when I find something is interesting to me, then I do it. I don't really care about the topic. So in my lab, we do uh, fundamental physics of uh, fluid mechanics, and you may find the topics interesting, uh, bizarre, but kind of useless. And uh, we, we want to contribute knowledge uh, for the humanity. And we also try to do something useful. Um, so um, uh, in that realm, uh, we uh, apply uh, AI algorithm to some uh, uh, applications, and we also try to develop uh, new AI uh, algorithms. So I can give you some examples. So uh, after I moved to Canada about three years ago, uh, then I started uh, one research uh, project. Uh, it is about uh, uh, how can we navigate uh, ships in ice-covered waters. This is um, um, Essentially, it is an important problem in next 30 years or 40 years. Uh, here's the why. Uh, climate is uh, getting warmer and warmer. And uh, I hope not, but I don't believe we can really stop it uh, fast in the near future. And Arctic Ocean will be melt. Will melt. OK, so, and, uh, so what? It means that uh, the northern route the shipping route will be open. No more ice will cover there. And so that we can ship stuff from Asia to Europe to North America through the northern route. And uh, the benefit of doing so is we can save up to 40% of the time, the money, fuel, and the CO2 emission just by going through the ice-covered waters near Canada and near Russia. So this is a, a topic that particularly interested to Canadians and the Canadian government. So um, to achieve this, the first step is we want to build a ship that's similar to Tesla that can um, identify the ice situation around the ship, around the vehicle. So this is one research I'm doing is I want to develop a sensor or sensing system so that the ship can know, oh, there's a large piece of water, large piece of water uh, uh, in front of the ship and where's the ice I should avoid and where is the water I can go and where is that piece of ice that the ship just can't crush. After this, then we can do planning and the ship can find its route. So yeah, essentially I'm developing a 
Tesla, but uh, uh, it's uh, for ships navigating in ice-covered waters. In a, it will be used in the next 10, 20, 30 years. Okay, wow, this is fascinating. So um, I assume you're not doing all this work on your on your own. Do you have a do you have a small team you're you're working with? Yeah, I feel um, uh, I'm very lucky to be uh, Waterloo. Um, so uh, we have a lot of colleagues, very open-minded, and have the vision. Um, so uh, we're working together, um, and we also have a lot highly motivated uh, students, undergrad students and uh, grad students. Yeah, we're working together on this. So uh, uh, actually, we just got a PhD student from Ukraine, and uh, uh, that student will also work on this team. Okay, that's great. That's great. So how many in total, sorry, roughly, did you say you had? Uh, uh, you mean the students? Yeah, students that are working in this area. Oh, uh, right now we have uh, uh, two PhD students, uh, two master's students, and uh, five undergrad students working on uh, the whole project. We just started, but uh, hopefully uh, in a few years, we can have something awesome. Okay, so you talked about recognition or, or avoidance of ice and ice chunks, obviously the threat to the vehicles. Is this research applicable in other other areas? Is it applicable in other parts of the world? Uh, you know, what, what's your thoughts about that? That's a fantastic question. So the one thing I like AI uh, about is um, you can think of uh, most AI uh, altruism or machine learning altruism. Uh, it's sort of like regression or fitting. So that altruism is so applicable to almost everywhere. So once you know one algorithm well enough, and you can always find the application outside your domain. It's pretty much like when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Um, and this uh, AI and machine learning uh, mentality, I'm not even talking about the algorithm, is a very powerful, very heavy hammer. Um, one example is, um, so I was thinking, yeah, I'm doing uh, uh, data science and uh, machine learning already for the ice, uh, uh, navigation in ice research already. Uh, and I also doing some uh, uh, physics fluids, physics, uh, uh, physics of fluids research. How can I combine them together? So here's uh, uh, one perfect example. Um, uh, apparently, I, I think I said it, I, I, I grew up in China. So over there, how my uh, grandma cook, deep, when she deep fry something, uh, she wants to know the oil temperature. How she got that information is not measure it by some thermocouple or any instrument. What she does is she dip a bamboo chop, chopstick into the hot oil. And then she tried to watch how the bubbles coming out from the chopsticks. Watch bubble, okay? And she also tried to hear the noise made from the chopstick. Hear the noise. And by those two very different information, and she can tell the oil temperature really well. 
and uh, think about what's going on in this uh, simple process. She watched the bubble. The behavior of the bubble in hot oil is a classic fluid mechanics problem. And she hear the noise. And that's another classic problem from uh, acoustics. Arguably a sub-realm of fluid mechanics. And her brain, over years, got trained to process those two very different information and got the temperature. So there must be a small portion in my grandma's brain. It works like a neutral network. And to be more specific, this task is called multimodal learning. Um, it simply means, uh, for one thing, we have different uh, uh, information or measurement from different sensor or sensing system. And let's train a neural network to combine everything together and uh, output something about that system or process. So uh, this is another research we're doing as a side project. It's fun. It's interesting, but kind of useless, but the algorithm behind it can be totally applied to so many different areas. Back to the icebreaker uh, or navigation in ice uh, problem. So we have LiDAR radar, different cameras, uh, like virtual camera and IR camera and the polarization cameras installed on the ship. They are all different eyes. And we also will install some uh, uh, microphones. So when the eyes hit the ship and making different noises, and hopefully with all those sensors combined with multimodal learning, and we can have some decent information about the ice and the water around the ship. Awesome. So how do you fund all this research? This is a hard question. I have to think. This is mostly like by NSERC and uh, government agency, or uh, is there is there is there typical like Northern Ice uh, consortiums that are trying to solve this, or you know, tell us more about that. Oh yeah, you asked how you uh, how 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 I fund, not uh, how I find. No uh, fund. Uh, oh okay. <laughs> so uh, most of the research about uh, ice in uh, sorry uh, navigation in ice covered waters is funded by NRC. So um, it was about two years ago, uh, then we started the conversation with the RC. It was a small project. And then later, uh, uh, we did more research and uh, uh, we applied bigger funding from, again, RC and uh, Waterloo Joint Research Center. So, um, and we're still looking for more resources so that we can uh, upscale uh, this research. As you may, can tell it's a research about a ship. That vehicle is not cheap. So we cannot afford all by ourselves. Instead, uh, we have to rely on the partners from NRC. They have huge ice tank with model ship in it. And we have to rely on the um, Coast Guard of Canada. When they go out and they carry our uh, sensor suit, and collect data, and then we can play with the data right here at Waterloo, which is far away from oceans. <laughs> so you haven't gone up north and ridden on one of the icebreakers yet? No, not yet, and hopefully uh, next year. Okay, and um, okay, so 
you know, I, I'm just going to back up for a second here. I mean, I, in, in layman's terms here, I see you're doing object recognition and avoidance and, you know, and navigating your path. Is this work applicable to automotive? Is it applicable to maybe in a factory? Uh, you know, things like that for, you know, um, you know, I know there's a lot of AGVs going around factories, automatic guided vehicles, humans, things like that. Is there application of your research to those spaces? Uh, absolutely, yes. Uh, the idea is always the same. Uh, if, we, if you ask, okay, what's the uh, task, the term for the task? you're dealing with right now. So the first is segmentation. So we're doing image segmentation and trying to upgrade it to video segmentation. And uh, what do we use that for? We use it for classification. So that's the two classic tasks we're dealing with. But uh, as you uh, asked, uh, of course, we can apply uh, those algorithms in other uh, scenarios, like in the factory and for the cars running on the road. But all those things have very different requirements than the ships uh, navigating nice. Uh, just give you one example. What's the difference between ships moving in water and uh, 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 a car uh, moving on the on the road? So. Um, I have this in the background in automotive engineering. I was trained. And uh, you may think a car is not so expensive and not that high tech, but this product is especially challenging for many reasons. You don't want your car to be so expensive. It means that you cannot use any expensive sensors on it. So that's a limitation. And a car moves fast on the road and around in other cars. So it means the computation uh, installed on the car must be fast. So think about those two. You want to be cheap and you want to be fast. It's hard, very hard. But back to the uh, ship, um, I feel, again, I feel very lucky we find this problem. So it's a ship. It's a very expensive vehicle. In that sense, we can install a lot of sensors, and uh, we're less sensitive to the cost of the sensors. And the second, the ship never moves real fast. So we can use more complex algorithms, and uh, we can install a bigger computer on the ship. So, but yeah, back to your question, yes, the algorithms and uh, the frameworks can be applicable to other scenarios. Excellent. Excellent. So I'm uh, just looking through some of the notes here. You know, it's um, it's incredible to see this application um, of you're going to do all this research on ICE, but it's applicable in other market spaces. And and any other, uh, I originally asked the question, is this applicable in other parts of the world? Um, or is it only about ICE? Is uh you know, because you talked about melting ice, and I assume that means rising ocean levels. What was uh, what was above land, you know, above water may not be above water, and uh, you know, hidden threats. And if you're trying to just use the visual, so does your research go subsurface? Does it go below the water and and look at ice under the water or objects under the water? That's uh, another fantastic question. Um, this is something we're thinking about. Um, in the future, yes, we are going to do it, and perhaps we have to do, do it. So um, 
when we stick something, the sensor into the water, then that's another requirement. So out there, it's cold and it's water, and it's requirement for the sensor to be sturdy. And another thing is uh, when you stick your head in water and you cannot see far. So then is that you have to use something uh, like a radar. So um, yeah, eventually we will use some sensor like that. But uh, for now, uh, no, we may, mainly rely on the above water uh, sensing uh, a system like uh, cameras. And we also rely on a lot of uh, uh, information from satellites. So satellites give you a large scale really low resolution sensing. Yeah, we call it remote sensing. And uh, on-ship sensors give you high resolution, but uh, very near range. So we also try to combine those two multi-scale sensing together for the ship to have better information. And uh, for the, you mentioned, uh, yeah, in the future, the LED, uh, eyes will be mounted. Uh, I, I would say, yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's climate thing and um, hard to predict, but uh, I guess it will. Okay. Well, uh, th thank you very much today for joining us on Let's Talk AI. We've got some more insight into yourself, your area of research, the applications, future, uh, you know, 40% reduction of shipping. Wow, that's a big, uh, I'm sure all the shipping companies will love you. And uh, we as consumers will as well. So. Uh, any last comments you'd like to add today? Um, well, I see uh, I see AI as uh, or machine learning or neural network as a very powerful tool. It's a really good hammer. But uh, on the other hand, the reason why it's good simply because in the past 10 years, the deep neural network step, stepped in. So... One, one, one good side is when it's deep, performance amazingly good. But on the other hand, it turned out to be a black box. So for some research or for some applications, you don't want anything black. You want everything to be transparent. So um, that's another research uh, we're trying to do. And we go opposite. We go extremely shallow learning. And so that we hope. So that's like draw. Is, it, is that is that like drawing out the logic that the that the AI is inferring or using behind its its conclusions? Uh, yes. So um, if you look at the uh, current deep learning uh, algorithm, there are so many layers of uh, neural network. And uh, one thing we're doing in the lab right now is we want to only use just one layer of the neural network. And uh, that thing is simple enough, and we can write down everything on paper and understand how the information goes through. And uh, this is our constraint. We want the algorithm to be so simple, but we also want it to have guaranteed performance so that then there's a, uh, then we drive a balance. The performance is okay, and we have guaranteed convergence and uh, we know exactly how our algorithm would perform. So I see this is the future of the uh, 
machine learning um, community, at least for me, it's uh, for my research. Sometimes I want 100% transparent algorithm. Mm. Well, that's a great vision. Again, thank you so much today for your, uh, your taking your time to share with us your vision uh, and feedback. Thank you. Excellent. Okay. Well, thanks very much. Have a great day.